listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it or turn it on this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3, however you follow along uh, in your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 1 uh, in a moment. If you are new with us, we have been in this series through 2 Timothy, just kind of going really verse by verse, and we've called it grit. Uh, and the reason we've called it grit is because grit, to have grit, uh, it means you have to have courage means you have to have the courage to continue to endure when times are tough. And, and so we, we called it grit for a reason, uh, because it's 2020, right? And we all need a little grit. And so I, I saw this t-shirt this week, and I, I thought it really summed up 2020 really well. Uh, if you can see it right where you are, if you had to give 2020 uh, reviews, you'd only really give it a one-star review. And the, the words right underneath it is, very bad, would not recommend. Right? Isn't that 2020? Yeah. One star, very bad, we're not going to recommend it. You know, because if you stop and think about it, at some level, all of our lives, from the crib to, you know, the oldest person in our church, has been affected this year. Every person has been affected by something that has happened in 2020. All of our lives have been disrupted in some way. And so when we stop and think about everything we've gone through, we have to realize that come New Year's Eve, I, I hate to tell you this, but when the calendar flips, we, all the problems may not go away. You know, we, we may be still one star 2021, right? Still don't recommend. So, so how do we keep moving? How do we keep going forward with Christ, because that's really what Paul's telling Timothy. Timothy's living in a day and an age that it's not easy either. Uh, they're living under the reign of Nero, who is one who really persecuted Christians at a level that no one else did in the Roman Empire. Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's awaiting his execution. Timothy's dealing with false teachers in the church. There's other pressures and issues in Timothy's life personally. And so Paul's really telling Timothy, have grit. You know, when the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus just keeps going. But, but what does that look like? What, how do we have that power to keep going? What type of people do we need to keep going? And so let's pick up in verse 1, because in verse 1, you see difficult days are ahead. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulties. Now, when you see that phrase, last days, it's going to mean two things in verse 1. One, it's going to point you to the last days, meaning the seven-year tribulation period right before Christ comes back. But realize this, we are also living in the last days. So we are living right now in between that period of time where Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, and before he comes again. So we're in this last days period when Jesus is about to come back. Now, does he come back before the seven-year tribulation period, in the middle of the seven-year tribulation period, at the end of the seven-year tribulation period? I don't know. I'm just for Jesus coming back. Amen? Amen? All right. So there you go. We're in the last days. 
Right? That's where we are. Notice what Paul says. In these days that we're all living, there's difficulties to come. There will be times of difficulty. If you have an NIV version, I, I really like the way they put it. They said in these last days, there are terrible times to come. So what makes these days terrible? What makes these days difficult? Well, the answer is people. People make these days hard. People make these days difficult because notice Paul now is going to give us a profile of difficult people. Pick up in verse 2 with me. He says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Verse 4 says, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Verse 6 says, for among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led them astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambers opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith. Verse 9, but they'll not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as to all of those two men. Now, when you read that list of the profile of difficult people, I'm sure I'm glad we don't see that in 2020, aren't you? Right? Yeah, that was just Paul's day. We don't deal with any of that right now, right? No. I mean, we, we look at that and he's like, wow, Paul, that, that's your day. That's our day. I mean, these are what we see, and you really can take verses 2 through 5 and all of those sins uh, that all of us would struggle with on some level, and you really put them in three categories. And if you wanted to write these three categories down, it's this. It's lover of self, it's lover of money, and it's lover of pleasure. So lover of self, lover of money, lover of pleasure. And if you think about the sin you commit in your life, and I think about the sin I commit in my life, it always is going to come out of one of those three categories. It's always going to come out of a love of self over a love of God, a love of money over a love of God, a love of pleasure over a love of God. Every sin you and I will ever commit will come from one of those three categories. And so Paul says, in the last days, in these difficult times, in these terrible times, this is a profile of people. Now, how do people get like this? How, how do we get like this? How do we struggle? Why do we struggle with these things? Well, I, I love the way Thomas Lay, in his commentary on this passage, he, he says this about this verse. I think he just hits the nail on the head. He says, when the center of gravity in an individual shifts from God to self, a plethora of sins can spring up. So I'm going to notice, I'm going to say that again and read it to you again. This is what he says. When the center of gravity in an individual shifts from God to self, a plethora of sins can spring up. But did you notice there's something scary in those verses to me? In those verses between 2 and 9, as you're looking at a profile of difficult people in these last days, there's something that just scares me. Did you notice it? Does it scare you as well when you look at it? What do you see in verses 2 through 9 that might give you pause? That might scare you like it scares me. It's verse 5. They have an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. 
Verse 7, they're always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. I'm wondering this out loud, how many people in our churches are that way? How many people sitting in our church services week after week after week would fit verse 5 and verse 7? Always learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ is the Savior of their life. Verse 5, having a, a, an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That means on the outside, they appear to be godly, but there's no inward transformation. There's no renewed mind. There's no renewed heart. There's no passion for Jesus. And see, you and I have to understand something fundamental. You can grow up in the church. You can be in the church from cradle to the grave, attend every worship service every time the doors are open, go to every life group meeting, serve, be faithful in church attendance and all that you can do, and still not be saved. I mean, wasn't that the religious leaders of the day of Jesus? I mean, the people who crucified the Messiah, the Savior, the King, were the temple-going people. They were the praying people. They were the people who read the Bible. They were the religious people. They were the moral people. They were what we would look out at society and say they are the good people. Why? Because verse 5, they had an outward appearance of godliness, but they never arrived at the truth. I mean, imagine that. These are, these are religious leaders and religious people who all their life prayed, God, send the Messiah, send the Messiah, search the scriptures for what the Messiah would look like and do. God, we want to see the Messiah in our lifetime. We want revival. We want to love you. We want to be with you. We want you. We want you. And there he is, God himself in the flesh and blood standing before them, and they kill him. And they deny him. Why? Because they had an appearance of godliness, but they denied his power. Verse 7, they were always learning, but never were able to arrive at the truth. I wonder how many this morning where religion is just a show. Why does that happen? Why does that happen in our churches? Why does that happen in the lives of people? Well, I'll return us back to Thomas Lay and his definition of that, his uh, quote of that uh, verse. When the center of gravity in an individual shifts from God to self, a plethora of sins can spring up. But did you notice something else in verse 5? Verse 5 gave me a lot of pause this week when I was looking at it. And I was praying through it. Because how does it end? He says this. Avoid such people. Avoid them. Avoid people like verse 5. Avoid people like verse 7. But, but what gave me pause and what should give you pause is like, whoa, hang on. What about loving our neighbor as ourself? What about reaching all people for Jesus? Well, I mean, just look at what Paul said up in, in verses 24 through 26, just in chapter 2. He said, a Lord's servant must be not quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And now Paul's given us this profile of difficult people, and he's saying, stay away from people like verse 5 and verse 7. What in the world is going on? What in the world is Paul meaning there? I don't think for one minute Paul's not saying don't talk to them. I don't think Paul's not saying don't pray for them. 
don't care for them. But what Paul's saying, and the essence of what he's saying is very, very important. He said, don't align yourself with their attitudes. Don't align yourself with their actions. Yes, we want to see them come to know Christ. That's why he wrote what he wrote in chapter 2. But here in chapter 3, he says, in these days, dealing with difficult people, don't buy into their attitude. Don't buy into their actions. We want to seek to separate ourselves in that way as we're still trying to reach them for Christ because we need to remember something verse 9 teaches us and we need to hold on to verse 9 uh, with dear life right now in a day where, where false teaching still runs rampant. Verse 9, they'll not get very far. Amen? They're not going to get very far. Their teaching, their character, their lives will eventually become plain to all. So as you and I look out at our culture, and we still see a lot of ungodliness, we still see a lot of false teaching, we still see a lot of people rejecting Christ, pushing false religions that are leading people to hell, we, we still need to remember verse 9, that they're not going to get very far. At some point, God's going to say, that's enough. That's as far as you're going to go. And they are under the judgment of God. They are back in chapter 2, verse 26, in the snare of the devil. And we want to see them come to know Christ. But we don't align with their attitudes. We don't align with their actions. And so Paul's saying, difficult days are ahead. Here's the people we're going to deal with. But notice in verse 10, he really takes a hard right turn in the passage. And he says this, you've got to have a faith that's worth following. When you think about grit, and you think about persisting in the gospel, and that's what Paul's really getting at, that this idea of continuing to keep on going. And that power that we have to keep on going, it comes from the gospel that we've accepted and believe in our lives. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, you, however, and that's a very, very strong way of, of separating us from those that are false teachers. He says, you, however, be different. Don't live like them. He says, because you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconum and in Lystra with persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. What Paul's saying in verse 10 is this question that you need to ask yourself this, is your faith worth following? Is your faith worth following? So that's what Paul says in verse 10. Timothy, don't be like them. Separate yourself and your attitudes and your actions from false teachers, from what we just went over in verses 2 through 9. But Timothy, follow me like I followed Christ. He told the church in Corinth the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, as I live for Christ, imitate me. Follow me. Would you be comfortable saying that to someone else this morning? Listen, follow my faith in Jesus. Follow the way I read the Bible. Follow the way I pray. Follow the way I do evangelism. Follow me as I'm following Christ. Are you setting that type of example? Do you have a faith worth following? Let me ask it another way. What are your grandkids hearing 
you talk more about these days? When you're with your grandkids around the table, what are they hearing you say about your church? What are you hearing them say, or what are they hearing you say about the politicians? What are they hearing you say about life? What are they hearing from you constantly and constantly coming out of your mouth? No, grandparents, I'm going to shift to parents. Parents, what about you? Same questions. What are you modeling for them? Because I thought about it this way this week. There, There are things that my kids are going through I never went through. As a, as a teenager. There are things that, uh, you know, I went through that you never went through. I mean, each generation's going through new things that the other generation didn't go through. But we've all been through difficulties. We've all been through persecutions. We, we've all been through sufferings at some level. And so in this time, what are we passing down? What are we modeling for this younger generation in a, in a world of 2020 where we would give it one star we don't recommend? What are we saying to them is important? What are we showing our passion is about? Because Paul's saying this, and we need to remember this over and over and over again. Verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you are not willing to suffer for Jesus, you're following the wrong Jesus. If you're not willing to be persecuted at some level for your faith, do you really have faith? Because think of it this way, a NASCAR driver, if you're a NASCAR fan, God bless you. I don't understand that sport. I really don't. I'm not putting NASCAR down, but I'm like, take a ride at some point in this race. Let's mix this bad boy up. I've tried to watch it, and it just, I, I can't do it, all right? I, I can't, but some of you can. But a NASCAR racer knows this. At some point in that race, his car's going to get bumped. You know, I, I thought about it this way yesterday, watching college football, uh, because I watched uh, Thomas, one of our wide receivers from NC State, come across the middle, one of our best wide receivers. And I mean, he caught it, but boy, boy. Bang, right when he caught it, he got slammed right in the back. And a wide receiver running over the middle of the football field, about to catch a pass, knows in his head, I'm going to get hit. A soldier in a battle knows, I'm going to get shot at. A Christian wanting to live a life that's meaningful for Jesus knows at some level, in some way, we will suffer. We will be persecuted. Now, those persecutions, they're going to vary. Because you can look all throughout history, sometimes it's by the governments that are in place, the rules that are in place, the laws that are in place, but you can take it to the bank. If you want to live for Christ in some way, you will suffer. In some way, you will be persecuted. And so Paul tells us that truth, but let's back up to another truth that should give us comfort in this. And chapter 2, verse 19 is another great verse that in persecution and suffering, we have to remember but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. As you suffer for Christ, as you're persecuted for Christ, you have to remember the Lord knows who are his. 
and I'm in his hands, in his firm foundation. And so Paul ends this way in this section of the letter. Press on. Continue on, verse 14, he says. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and you firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. You know, the Christian life is more than just about how you began. It's how you're living and how you're going to finish. The mark of a Christian, the New Testament would say, is not if you just prayed to receive Christ at some point in your life. The mark of the New Testament Christian is, are you believing in Jesus? Are you following Jesus? And will you continue to endure in the end? So he says in verse 14, yes, difficult days are ahead. You got to deal with difficult people. Have a faith that's worth following. And that means you continue. You continue to press on, verse 14, in what you know, and we continue to hold fast to the scriptures. I love this. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. We stay in the scriptures. We keep trusting Christ because it's the scriptures that lead us to a knowledge of the truth. I, I love 1 Corinthians 1.18 where it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The scriptures are the power of God. Stay in them. Keep your finger on the text. Keep pressing on. Have that faith that's worth following in a world where we would say it gets one star right now. We don't recommend it. Keep on going. So let me ask you as we close and get ready to pray. What kind of person are you? When you look back at verses 2 through 5, where this morning are you struggling? Would it be in the category of lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure? If you just with me right now scan verses 2 through 5, and, and you were very honest with yourself, where would, where would God put his finger on in your life. And he's saying, you know what? We need to get this right. We, we need to come back. We need to turn from this. And as you're looking at that list, just, just be honest and say, God, here's where the struggle's been this week. It, it's been in this one. It, it's been in pride or arrogance. It's been without self-control. It's not loving what's good. I mean, I don't want you to look at the list and think, well, God, I, I know somebody like that. I, I know somebody like this. And boy, that, that's somebody else. No, no, is it you? Is it you? Is God getting attention for you today to say, listen, we've we, we got to make this right. You need to turn from this. Turn back to me. And this morning, what, what kind of person are you? Let me ask you this. Who are you following today? Are you following Christ as your Savior? Are you trying to cut your own path, make your own way? The, the good news of the Bible is this, what we call the gospel, that Christ has made a way for us to God, that Christ has cut that path. And when we come to Christ, that yes, we have forgiveness of our sin, but, but we have God in our lives now through all out of eternity and all the suffering and all the persecutions and all the hard times we ever go through, in the end, it's worth it because we have God for all of eternity. So who are you following? 
Because I'm going to encourage you this morning. I know there are a lot of folks who, who are discouraged in their faith. I mean, at some level, in some way, 2020 has discouraged us all at some point. There may be somebody that says, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to walk away from Jesus. I don't want to follow him anymore. Listen, don't walk away from him. Because, yes, it's hard now, but a Christless eternity is harder. A Christless eternity without him is terrible. It's miserable. It's beyond your horrific imagination without Jesus when you die. So walk with him. Continue with him. Press on with him. What kind of person are you? Who are you following? And let me ask you this one final question. Who are you leading right now? Who in your life are you trying to say, follow me as I follow Jesus?